we're getting so close to the end of the 2022 college fantasy football season. This is the CFF site's week 10 college fantasy football show. I'm your host, Joe DeSalvo, the voice of the CFF site. And that's right. Week 10 is here. Double digit weeks are upon us. And whenever we hit, whenever I we hit that double digits, I just say that th this is when the weeks really, really get exciting. They really get tense for a lot of you guys. And they're really critical and vital to your college fantasy football fate, particularly you guys that are playing in league formats. You know, for some of you all, you know, with a with the 13 week season here, I, I think we're looking at a week uh, week 12, week 13. That'll be a four team playoff format. If you go, you know, if you extend more than four teams, then chances are you go to a three week format, and then all of a sudden you're looking at maybe this week being the final week of your regular season. So I know a lot of emails coming in. A lot of you guys that play in bigger leagues, this this is it. This is the final week of the season. And so the good news is most of the teams are playing this week. Last week, 30-plus teams, maybe even 40. There, I think it was 36 teams had a bye last week. This week, just 11 teams on bye. So most of you guys going into week 10 with a full roster. Now, whether or not they're healthy – that's another question. Now, I'm recording the show on a uh, on a Wednesday evening, trying to get it out to you guys a little sooner. And so that's the dilemma that I find myself in. Do I do the show on Thursdays as I usually have done earlier in the year or try to get it out Wednesday? And the trade-off is, is that we just don't get as much information earlier in the week as we tend to get later on in the week, maybe even on a later thir late Thursday and early Friday. So you know the 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 you know there's kind of a risk reward in getting it out early and that is at least you guys will be alerted or at least get a heads up if you feel like you have some of those players that we're going to discuss that that may be on the fringe of playing or not now I'll, some of you guys you know as i sit and record this we've already had mac games take place this week so i'm recording this you know, after the four Mac games have already taken place. And I know a lot of you guys were in some roster dilemmas, dilemmas, you know, was Lou Nichols going to return? He did, um, you know, for you fantasy owners that, you know, I've always said error on the side of caution. You want to make sure a player's back and healthy before they back. If you started Lou Nichols, you got 94 yards out of, out of him on the ground, which is okay. He didn't find the end zone, but it just leads me to my point particularly early with these midweek games, now that we're getting close to the end of the season, you you really have to be sure your guy is playing because there are not, first of all, there's nothing worse than getting a blank on a roster spot, particularly for you guys that don't play in uh, sub leagues where you can sub out guys that don't play, but nothing's worse than taking a goose egg. And I'll tell you, there is not, you know, there's only one thing that may trump that. And that is taking a goose egg early in the week on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and Thursday. And ju you just know that you're going in into the weekend already playing a man down, most likely against a pretty decent team that's still fighting to stay alive for a playoff spot. So, look, you never you always want to be sure. I say that with college fantasy football, particularly for you guys that are not doing any type of auto sub, uh, utilizing the auto sub feature on fan tracks. 
you 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 have to be certain that your guy is playing, particularly these last couple of weeks. This week, for you guys that are playing in the last week of your regular season and into the playoffs, you've got to take the certainty, the known. The, you know, you've got it. You've got to. And I say this: sometimes you have to play it safe, unless you absolutely feel your your back's against the wall, you're overmatched, and you really need that high ceiling player. You 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 just can't afford to take a goose egg. So, with all the games already being played in the MAC, they sort of gave me a little bit of the material to to jumpstart this show by saying, look, that's what we're dealing with. I mean, look at the situation. I'm going to touch on it later in the show with Cam Rising at Utah. Uh was just a complete last-minute scratch. Caught everyone by surprise last week. And now, right now, particularly with what we – and we say this every year. I feel like that it's just the same drum that I beat, just different week, different season. But I say it every year. So it's really no surprise, just a surprise to maybe to some of you guys that are new to college fantasy football over the last year or two. But this is something that we talk about every year with injuries in college fantasy football. You just never know. You have to play it safe and you've got to start a guy that you know that's definitely going to play over a guy that may have missed two games. And we're just unsure if he's going to get the nod, particularly if there's no good early pre-game news and tidbits coming out so anyway that's gonna wrap it up for the Mac because there's nothing else to talk about all the games have taken place and we're just gonna do it as we normally do I'm gonna go in in I'm gonna cover the group of five conferences just talk about some games that stand out to me maybe some players that we need to be aware of going into the weekend and so let's go ahead and do that I'm gonna tee up the 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 you know my computer right here and get those matchups here in front of me but I've gone through all of them already. I just want to make sure I don't miss anything. But the one thing that I do want to mention is that matchup with Houston and SMU. You know, a lot of you guys with Rasheed Rice had a little bit of a, uh, you know, he's struggled as of late. He just hadn't been real productive. So it was nice to see him bounce back with that nine catch, 180 yard, two touchdown performance against Tulsa. I think that's very promising for this week's matchup against Houston, who themselves has a, a you know a, a solid player as of late. Nathaniel Dell finds himself at the top of the wide receiver rankings, near the top of the wide receiver projections this week. He has caught a touchdown in five straight games. He's caught eight passes, at least eight passes in four straight games, and he's gone with multiple touchdowns. Caught two or more two or more touchdowns in three of the last four games, and that's really the matchup that stands out to me in the notes for the American conference real short and sweet. So let's get over to conference USA where really want to bring up a player that for me under the spotlight this week, and that's Western Kentucky quarterback, Austin Reed, Western Kentucky going on the road, playing Charlotte this week, Charlotte last week surprised me, but here's some things to keep in mind with Austin Reed, particularly you guys that have him. I know you know this. So really this is just for everyone else that may not be aware, but, you know, through the first seven games of the year, he accounted for three or more touchdowns in that Western Kentucky offense. Over the last two weeks, he's only totaled three touchdowns in both of those games combined. However, however, you've still got to run him out there. You've still got to ride Austin Reed this week. They do play Charlotte. Charlotte has a pass defense that's allowing 280 passing yards per game. That's 13 worst in the FBS. 
And so I know Austin Reed has been a little bit disappointing for the last couple of weeks, but I think you've got to stick with him. You've got to ride him out here. You've been riding him all year. And if you need a win this week, you've got to stay with the guy. We'll talk about that UTSA at UAB matchup because another quarterback that has cooled off considerably versus compared to the beginning of the year is UTSA quarterback Frank Harris. This, ne this isn't necessarily as good of a UAB defense as we've seen in you know years past or in the most you know recent few seasons, but I still think UAB's defense is solid, and this game to me is one of those you know. Caution flags. I don't, I'm not expecting one of those big games, four touchdown games, 400 yards passing from Frank Harris. They seem to be establishing the running game a little bit more. But but if there is hope, maybe UAB slows down that UTSA running game that they've tried to establish recently. Maybe they go back to airing it out, and that would be a benefit. The projections uh, are moderate. You know, they're, they're, they're tempered on the the UTSA offense. So guys like Zachary Franklin aren't you know decory and clark frank harris aren't as high in the projections this week as they normally have been after their most recent trend uh and you know after their most recent trend um over the last few games but for me i still like guys like zachary franklin i still think he's a solid start at receiver this week so just want to kind of throw that out there about the utsa offense and then another game I want to talk about, too, is Florida International at North Texas. Why do I want to talk about this? Because Florida International, I mean, look, it's quite a surprise for me after their start to the year that they've won four games. But the player that I want to talk about in this matchup if, is North Texas quarterback Austin Ani, who has very quietly had a very solid season. I wrote down a few notes. I'm going to share those with you. He has passed for at least. 300 yards, six times in nine games this year. He has thrown for 300-plus yards in four of the last six. He's thrown three touchdowns in four of the last five games. And this week, North Texas gets an FIU team whose defense is allowing 268 passing yards per game in the air. So in the beginning of the year where we were, and look, North Texas, that backfield is still, they've got a number of guys they could run out there. They're really deep. But Austin Ani in that North Texas passing game has been surprisingly good. Remember, they were had the, they had the fifth best rushing offense in all of college football last year. We talked in the preseason how, how deep their backfield was and with the linemen that they had coming back, there was no reason why they wouldn't be that strong. However, they've just completely flipped the script. And now Austin Ani's, I think he's averaging over 300 passing yards per game. But like I said, he's gone over 304 in the last six, three touchdowns in four of the last five, plays FIU this weekend. Player to look out for this week. Looks like a really safe option for college fantasy football purposes this week in week 10. Let me go ahead and get into the Mountain West Conference because there is another player that I want to talk about right there in, in that conference. And, you know, while UNLV struggles to kind of get their players back, um, you know, whether or not Aiden Robbins returns, um, I think we got word that uh, their their quarterback, Doug Brumfield, was set to return this week. But Jalen Maiden for Sandy, Jalen Maiden for San Diego State. 
last week. He he's he strong. Well, put it this way. San Diego State's offense was terrible at the beginning of the year. He has now thrown for 290 yards or more in two of the last three games. He accounted for four touchdowns in last week's matchup against Fresno State. He has run for three touchdowns in the last two games. That is an offense that has been run heavy, run strong. You want to have a running back. They really don't have a go-to back this year. And I'm just wondering if Jalen Maiden is a sneaky play this week for week 10 for all of you guys that may be desperate for a quarterback this week, maybe a, you know, an odd buy or an injury may be worth a look if he can do some damage on the ground in that matchup against UNLV. Another play I want to talk about that has all of a sudden kind of quietly crept up. And I wouldn't say quietly, but you know, we had high hopes for him at the beginning of the year, but he's really turned it on since they've let go of their offensive coordinator, and that is George Halani over at Boise State. Three straight 100-yard rushing games. He has gone over 100 yards in four of the last five. He scored a touchdown in three straight games and has totaled six scores during that stretch. They're playing BYU this week, and while you might think that could be a tough matchup against BYU, the Cougars are allowing over 200 rushing yards per game on the ground. I see no reason why Boise State will change things up. I think this could be another big game for George Halani in that Boise State running game this week, and I think he's a must-play for you for you guys. I want to touch on Fresno State real quick because Jake Hayner returned last week through three touchdown passes, 394 yards passing against San Diego State. And while that might have been a little bit of a surprise, the one thing that we have to realize is we're now used to, we've watched Fresno State play without Jake Hayner for so long. He returned last week. Now, if you look back at his stats, you realize that in the four games that he has started, he has gone over 360 yards passing in three of those four games. Who do Fresno State get this week? They play Hawaii at home. Great matchup for Fresno State at home this week. Uh, great matchup against Hawaii, and there's no reason why. Maybe some of you guys had Jake Hayner on IR for a while. Maybe it's time to pull him. Maybe it's time to give him a start. Maybe that's the guy you've been missing, wait, been waiting for him to come back. No reason to believe that he wouldn't pass for 300-plus yards this week against the Hawaii defense. Then rounding out the group of five, I want to head over to the Sun Belt Conference. And there are, you know, there are a couple players that I have under the spotlight here, just some notes by. So I'm going to go ahead and reference them. Ali Jennings, wide receiver of Old Dominion, uh, been one of the better fantasy receivers all year, one of the more consistent receivers, that's for sure. Still caught a touchdown last week, but he only had three catches for 24 yards. And so this week, Old Dominion gets Marshall. Marshall's defense is only allowing 206 passing yards per game. Um, that's pretty good, right? By college fan, by college football standards. And I'm just wondering, you know, Jennings is on a scoring, you know, consistently scoring. I think, I mean, look, if you have him, you have to start him. But I want to temper expectations once again this week going against that Marshall defense. Allowing 206 passing yards per game, you wonder if Jennings can get half of that by himself. I think he'll have a tough time getting over 100 yards this week 
but I think you got to continue to roll the dice with him as long as he's finding the end zone. South Alabama at Georgia Southern is a matchup I want to look at. And really, this is just quick. You know, a few shows ago, I mentioned Georgia Southern, how they, uh, I think through five games, they had given up five 100-yard, they had allowed five 100-yard rushers. Well, they're allowing 210 rushing yards per game. And that that looks really good if you have South Alabama running back LaDamian Webb, who carried the ball, now healthy, 28 times for 162 yards and three touchdowns last week at Arkansas State. Georgia Southern's run defense is not much better, if they're even better at all, statistically speaking. So I think if you have LaDainian Webb, you've got to get him in your lineup. Now, that's going to do it for the Group of Five conferences. As I look over some of my other notes, just injuries to be aware of. Todd Centeno, the quarterback of James Madison, they do play Louisville this week, so that's probably going to be one that you're going to want to pass on. But I still think I still think Centeno's availability is important, particularly if you have receiver Chris Thornton. I think if Centeno sits, I think you've really got to maybe consider some other options at receiver. If Centeno plays, then maybe that puts Thornton back in play at receiver. Zach Koontz, tight end for ODU. We haven't seen him in a while. I don't think he's played the last three games. So that would be a little something I'd be aware of because I don't think you can play him unless he's an absolute go. Marshall made the change at quarterback, so Columby didn't get the start, and I don't think he's going to do so this week. As I look at some of the other things as well, I know, uh, uh, let's see, uh, you know, Kamar Wheaton, SMU, um, let's see, Ari Broussard, who, you know, I referenced on the show a, few, a, a couple of weeks ago how he had scored like through the first six games of the year. I don't think he played last game. Looking in the Conference USA, it seems like they're going to get back Griffin Abair, the tight end this week. That's a big return for that passing game and a big tight end that might be on IR for some of you guys. Uh, I think Cooper Legas comes back for Utah State to quarterback them. I don't think he played in their last game. And then BYU, I think. Uh, Christopher Brooks missed last game with a hamstring injury, and I think he's probably questionable to return this week. So that's, you know, there are there probably are a few other notes, uh, injury notes that I'm missing, but th those are some of the major ones that I highlighted when I was going through some of the conference matchups. And so with that being said, that's going to put a wrap on the group of five conferences. I'm going to jump into Let's jump into the Power Five conferences, and you know I'll end with the SEC this week. That's probably where two of the bigger matchups are taking place. So I'll do like I I always do. I'll make some calls on fantasy wise, and I'll make the calls on the game. I don't, I'm not sure if I've missed one since I've been doing that yet. So we'll see how I do this week. But let's start over in the ACC. First of all, I want to mention Boston College versus Duke. Why do I want to bring up this game? Well, you know Phil Jerkovic, the quarterback. You know I don't think he practiced. Yesterday, I'm not sure about today. If he's not available this week, does that bring in some doubt on receivers? Zay Flowers, BC, got handled by Connecticut last week. And if Phil Jerkovic doesn't play this week, I think some of you guys will really be debating on whether to start Zay Flowers. Personally, I'd have to take a look at my roster. I'd have to take a look at my depth. It's hard to sit Zay Flowers because I feel like he is the most talented player in their offense and the one player they absolutely have to get touches this week, whether or not Jerkovic is the quarterback or not. And then I think the other matchup that's worth mentioning in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the ACC, is the Wake Forest at NC State matchup. And the reason I bring this one up was 
because Wake Forest was one of the more disappointing offenses last week in all of college football. Louisville's defense basically, you know, I don't know if it was a combination, if it was them shutting Wake Forest down, if it was Wake Forest not looking like themselves. I know Louisville got into the backfield and was pressuring them all game long. So a matchup against NC State doesn't look good on paper this week. I and mean, particularly for any of the recent trends of what the NC, you know, considering what the NC State defense has looked like uh, this year. But this is college football, and it is a game of matchups. And I'm going to reference the matchup again at another point later on when we talk about a Big Ten player that I want to focus on. But keep in mind, last year, NC State's defense wasn't bad. It wasn't terrible. And Wake Forest, NC State played 45. Wake Forest won that game 45-42. So sometimes teams just match up against others differently. You can argue this is a better NC State defense. I've got no problem with that. But, man, I have a hard time believing that Wake Forest is going to look as bad this week as they did last week. But I know last week's game has created some roster dilemmas for you guys, particularly if you're holding the Sam Hartmans, the A.T. Perrys. Here's my take on that. I think you really, as as I always will, it's hard for me to just say start, and it's hard for me to say bench because you've really got to consider your matchup. You've got to consider whether or not Hartman's your QB1, QB2, what, what are your other options. But I'm still willing to roll the dice this week in that matchup with Hartman. Uh, still have faith, even though it's not a great matchup. But like I said, uh, there are probably some other worse matchups out there. Uh, but it's a questionable call. And the call that you have to make going into this weekend. But certainly one, I can see where there's going to be some owners scratching their head on whether or not they give Hartman the start this week. I mentioned there was another player I want to talk about, and it's just about the matchups. So... First of all, let me talk about Iowa and Purdue. And the reason why I say it's all about the matchups was because, you know, I look, Iowa's defense is strong, maybe stronger than it was last year. But Iowa's defense has been really good over the last few years. And there was history that that basically, you know, last year when we were looking at whether or not we should start David Bell versus Iowa, it was like, hey, you should. David Bell's history against Iowa looked pretty good and he absolutely destroyed the Iowa defense. And so now I'm wondering, is it just something that the, you know, the mat something in that matchup of that Purdue offense that allows a receiver to run free and get past those Iowa DBs. And so I say the same thing. You've rolled with Charlie Jones all year up until this point. If you need a win, I don't know how you sit Charlie Jones against that Iowa defense. If it's the last week of the regular season and Charlie Jones has been one of your better receivers, you have to, I think you have to sink or swim with some of your best players because as we saw last year, you know, Purdue can turn it on. There is, you know, Purdue at some point does match, you know, have has in the couple over the last couple of years been able to match up again, do some things against that Iowa defense that other teams just in the Big Ten, just haven't been able to do. And so I do think you have to roll the dice and start Charlie Jones this week. I look at Ohio State and Northwestern, and this plays a little bit into my notes and observations pieces for you guys that read that, where I said, you know, with the way that Marvin Harris, that, that Ohio State offense looked with Marvin Harrison, um, 
uh, you know, Julian Fleming and Egbuka, it was really difficult for me to see how they were going to fit Jackson Smith and Jigba in, into that lineup and just force him in there, considering that the other three guys have played well and the offenses looked really efficient. Well, this is a case where I say it every year. I say it the preseason. I say it to, to, to Mike all the time. We don't like to wish injuries on anybody. We don't. But the most clarity, the best clarity that we can get sometimes in position battles when there's just a log jam at a position on a particular team is when guys get hurt. And so I think Jackson Smith and Jigba has been a real fortunate break for the guys that own Marvin Harrison, Agbuka, and even Julian Fleming, because now it's basically taken him, it's taken um, uh, JSN out of the picture now. And you guys that are sitting there with Fleming, Agbuka, and Harrison now have complete clarity that they're a must start every week. And I say the same thing that's happening at running back. Now, I don't have an update at running back, right? But I, I'm i not sure. I know Mayan Williams left the game with an injury last week. How, how severe his injury is still remains to be seen. But even if Mayan Williams is shelved for a couple of weeks, I feel if you've got Trevion Henderson now, you're going to get some top shelf production from a running back at Ohio State as opposed to having a split backfield and them two guys really devaluing one another. So I say it every year, and I think right now it's happening at Ohio State, particularly at a critical time, pivotal time of the season in college fantasy football, where if Mayan Williams is shelved, we already know that Jackson Smith and Jigba is shelved. It's creating a lot of clarity for you guys with Ohio State players heading into the end of the year. So let's keep an eye on that running back spot and Mayan Williams and see if he's shelved for a little while. That would be really good for you, Trevion Henderson owners, but something that we have to monitor for sure. Any other Big Ten injuries? Oh, uh, let's see. I think that was really it So for the Big Ten notes. So, all right. Let's get into the Big 12. And the first matchup I want to get into is that Texas Tech at TCU matchup. I read the Discord all the time. I know there's players that have cooled on the Texas Tech offense. So some guys that are cooling on the Texas Tech offense. There's some guys that are off. But there may be some that are still on. And I said at the beginning of the year that I felt that if I owned Texas Tech players, I'd rather have them for, you know, the, the last half of the year when I felt the schedule was going to ease up a little bit. There might be a little bit more of, um, you know, there might be a little bit more, you know, they, they might be a little bit more situated in a depth chart with the new system with Kitley coming there. Well, I don't know if that's really happened because they've had some injuries. Um, you know, they've had, and, and I think when I'm looking now at the end of the schedule, Iowa state's probably the one biggest pothole that they need to, you know, the speed bump that you've got to look out for, but I still feel decent about Baron Morton this week at TCU. I mean, TCU's defense isn't exactly shutting anyone down and I'm kind of interested to see this matchup because I do think if Texas tech can move the ball, this could be an interesting matchup that we could see a lot of points in. And, and, and I think that really fares well for you guys with Baron Morton. I think, I think it's his show. I think he's going to have a good showing. I mean, look, last week, it didn't matter who they put in the game. They weren't playing well. Donovan Smith, Tyler Shug, each one of those guys threw an interception. 
Baron Morton was, had pressure all day. I believe Shug even got sacked three times for the limited snaps that he was in there. I think this could be a surprise game for Baron Morton this week. I just want to throw that out there. And then Oklahoma State plays at Kansas. And I think this is where things get a little sticky for you guys with Oklahoma State. Spencer Sanders started off the year really hot, uh, really talented, but he's been banged up recently. Dominic Richardson this last game. For all of you guys going in for Richardson's backup last week, that running game did nothing. So I think they're a complete stay away unless you know Dominic Richardson is absolutely playing this week. Even had some, some you know, even the receivers there have been a little banged up as well this year. So I talked about that with Texas Tech. You know, you'd like to see, you know, some gelling, some chemistry, some consistency in the depth chart. And I think that's hurting Oklahoma State right now as well. And so they're really, really, that's kind of touch and go this weekend. A lot of you owners are going to be on the bench with some of your Oklahoma State players. And that's a, that's a situation and players that you're really going to have to be tuned into the Discord on game day to see what kind of news is coming out in that matchup with Oklahoma State at Kansas, particularly the pregame notes, because Oklahoma State, like many college teams, we don't get a lot of midweek injury news on their players. Texas playing at Kansas State, that is a big game, I feel, in the Big 12. Uh, you know, I, I do think that's a little bit of like, you know, hey, I'm not sitting B. John Robinson. I'm not sitting Xavier Worthy, but I think Kansas State could give them some problems. And look, maybe it's just me, but I think Kansas State offense is better with Will Howard at quarterback. I know Adrian Martinez was an absolute monster college fantasy football guy, but I feel like the offense is just better with Will Howard. I feel like Vaughn becomes a little bit more of a factor in that running game. He's now scored a touchdown in two straight games without Adrian Martinez as quarterback. And then the passing game, to me, is makes them a little bit more well-rounded. Will Howard, with, uh, a little more well, uh, well-rounded and polished. Will Howard with six, uh, Howard with six touchdown passes in the last two games, and so I think that has potential to be a really good game in the Big Twelve this week. Now, let's get over to the Pac-12 before ending up with the ACC. And I don't know if we can really go, you know, any farther without just any further without mentioning that what happened with Utah last week with Cam Rising. I know I mentioned it at the top of the show, but Utah, there's just so many things we have to monitor from Cameron Rising now to Tavion Thomas, who for me, I, I mentioned in my notes and observations, I don't even think I would have him on my roster at this point. I just don't have any faith in him whatsoever. I don't think I would start him anywhere down the line. He'd have to get 25 carries in the next two games for me to even have a chance to start him. And that would be all of a sudden week 12. And so if you don't see yourself starting Thomas in the next two weeks, I, my, my suggestion is to move off and find some death. Micah Bernard gave it a go last week. He was banged up. The one thing that I think I would do if I had a Utah player is if Cameron Rising was definitely playing, he's in. But if I if we find out that Thomas isn't playing and we find out that Bernard is still banged up, I do think that opens the door for Jalen Glover at running back. He had 20 carries for 76 yards and a touchdown last week. And so, like I said, sometimes injuries play a factor in what in some of our roster decisions. And I think in order to start a Utah running back, we have to see that Thomas and Bernard of both out of the way, then I think you've got a little bit more clarity and a lot more confidence in rolling with a Utah running back. And then also just note, keep an eye on updates for tight end Dalton Kincaid. I know he was banged up last week as well. 
one of the top tight ends in the country fantasy-wise, if not the number one um, going into this week, is banged up. So keep an eye on him. And, you know, judging from what we saw from Utah last week, just not sure we're going to find anything out. UCLA playing at Arizona State. Why do I mention this game? Because we know that UCLA's offense has been steady as she goes. But Arizona State now, all of a sudden, with Trenton Bourget, Bourget, uh, I'm not sure how to say his last name. I would say it's Trenton Bourget, so I'm not completely wired into that. So I apologize if I butchered that. 435 yards and three touchdowns last week at Colorado. I get it. At Colorado. Okay. He did have three touchdowns in, in that October 8th game against Washington, however. And I just feel that that Arizona, he's basically, you know, since he's now in at quarterback, he's given that Arizona State passing game some life. And so I do think, you know, there are, you know, whether you're target, maybe you can target a guy like Badger from Arizona State. You know, maybe if you're if you're desperate at receiver, maybe there's something there. And I think it only helps the Zabian Valaday as well that that passing game gets going a little bit. So there's some life in that Arizona State offense. And then I don't think we can exit the Pac-12 without talking about Cal at USC just from the simple fact that last week we kind of got wind that Jordan Addison wasn't going to play in that matchup. But we thought Mario Williams would be, and evidently he tweaked something at the last minute. He was a scratch. And so where I was really looking at Mario Williams, I think I even said it on the podcast, that if Addison didn't play, I really loved Mario Williams. All of a sudden now, both of those guys didn't play. My gut tells me from what I'm seeing, what I'm reading, that both of those guys will give it a go this week. I feel a lot more comfortable that if Mario Williams plays, he's a lot more of a full go. And I'm wondering, I just don't know about Addison. If he's a full go, maybe so. I mean, like I said, uh, Mario Williams missed one game, supposedly tweaked something last minute scratch. I, I, I would feel good starting him. Addison missing multiple games. I just really wonder how healthy he is. I, you know, if I'm if 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 I needed a win this week and I was desperate and I didn't have much depth, I'd probably have to start Jordan Addison. But if I if I felt like I had deeper options on my bench and I had a really good shot to win without him, I think I'd rather go for a guy that has a shot to give me 12 to 15 in that spot than maybe take a chance on getting a goose egg or maybe Addison just playing limited snaps with two or three catches. I when guys miss multiple games, I don't necessarily love to start them unless I see they're completely healthy. It happened with Lou Nichols tonight. There were a lot of you guys, he missed multiple games, wanted to hold on and wait. And I say, you're better off. You're better off sitting a guy that's going to explode for 30 points and being, you know, disappointed that you missed out on that than taking a chance and rolling the dice and starting him and getting a zero. For you guys that did, you know, that held on to Lou Nichols and was patient, even though we did get word that he was dressed in pregame warm-ups. I think he had 25 rushes. I, I, meant, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we had a good yardage game, didn't score. So you really just, you know, you made it. You, you, you guys that did show a little bit of patience probably benefited from that. I don't think he finished with more than 10 fantasy points in this week. So there is a little bit of method to the madness just from doing this for so many years. And my, my, my thing is my philosophy is 
whenever guys miss multiple weeks, unless they are 100%, you know for sure they're 100% healthy. Sometimes you're better off waiting and watching them play before sticking them in the lineup. So let's end up in the SEC where I'm going to mention two games. We're going to talk about Alabama, LSU, and Tennessee, Georgia. And here's what I say. For me, first of all, I'm a little surprised from what I saw in the beginning of the year that LSU is even ranked 10th right now. Um, I, I This is a game where I know Alabama hasn't been or hasn't looked up to Alabama standards, but you know, I think had and you know, I said, look, I'm no, I'm no Alabama fan, but I watched the Alabama Tennessee game, and I did think that there was a really, really ticky tack pass interference call against Alabama at the end of that game. Which, if they, if Tennessee doesn't get that call, Alabama walks out of Knoxville with a win, plain and simple. That was game set match, game over. It didn't happen. Tennessee still had to make plays on the field. They did that. They came away with the win. How and and I, and look. You know, Alabama's defense were still they were still able to make some plays. I'm just not completely confident in that LSU offense. I mean, it, I know they 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 they're only they've only been as good as, as Jaden Daniels has been. I just cannot see where Alabama's gonna allow Jaden Daniels to do some of the things he's been doing in some of the most recent weeks. For me, I'm starting Bryce Young. I'm starting Jameer Gibbs. When you have Alabama players. You want to start them in the bigger games because they're going to get significant snap counts. The you know the Tennessee game, perfect game to start Jameer Gibbs. This LSU game, I think another one. You want to start Gibbs. You want to start Bryce Young. I actually don't know. I, I don't know if this game's going to be close. I'd take Alabama to cover the spread on the road in Tiger Stadium. That's just my pick, but I'm starting Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs in that matchup. Now, let's get over to Tennessee at Georgia. And look, I really like this Tennessee offense. I really think that they're tough to slow down. And, you know, had I not seen Kent State put up points against Georgia, I would say, you know, Georgia easy, right? But, you know, we saw a MAC team go into Athens and put some points up against Georgia. And, you know, Kent State, you know, I'm not saying they have the exact offense as Tennessee, but there's some similarities there. And so Tennessee, we know, is going to spread the ball around. They've got Cedric Tillman healthy. Jalen Hyatt has been not just the best fantasy receiver in college, in, in college fantasy football this year. He's been one of the highest scored players of all positions, um, considering running backs and receivers. Traditionally, running backs dominate you know, the non-quarterback position. And Jalen Hyatt is up there with some of the best running backs this year. So... I don't think Georgia is going to shut them down. However, I will say this about Georgia, and I really believe this. I feel like they are the best team in the country, and I think everybody is a distant second behind them. And my feeling is, and I've seen Georgia play enough, I don't think Georgia really plays until they have to play. And I think Georgia is going to be ready for this game. I mean, I can say the same thing from a fantasy standpoint about tight end Brock Bowers. Georgia just doesn't use Brock Bowers until they need him. And when they need him, he's a stud, right? You've got Edwards and McIntosh right now, the one-two punch in the backfield. Stetson Bennett, I know for as many of you guys may not want to admit it, but I was wrong about him last year. I mean, they didn't, I, I think the only time he threw for over 300 yards last year, or I'm sorry, the only time he passed the ball a significant amount last year, was once when they got to the college football playoffs games, but 
he's been solid. I mean, guy won a national title with this team and is back. Um, I could see him having a really big game. I think Georgia, I think Tennessee's offense is going to give Georgia some problems. I'm definitely starting Jalen Hyatt. I would probably even start Hendon Hooker, even though I have him a little bit lower in the rankings this week because he's going on the road and playing at Georgia. It's not going to be easy. But I think Tennessee is going to score some points. But what's interesting is for as hard as and difficult as I think Tennessee's offense is to stop, I just don't know how Tennessee is going to stop Georgia. And I think Georgia is going to be the team that's going to come out here looking like, wow, look at that offense. And I think Tennessee is going to go, you know, to me, this has the makings of one of those 42-21, 42-28 games. But I think it's basically going to be a game where if I've got those Georgia players, Edwards, McIntosh, you know, maybe you're in a power five only league. I'm starting those guys. I'm starting Brock Bowers. I even think Stetson Bennett should get some start consideration this week. But I'm, you know, in, in these big games, you have to start the guys that have gotten you there all year. Hedden Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, I, you, you've got to go with them. Even if you want to roll the dice with Cedric Tillman, they're going to need him. They're going to have to throw the ball this week. So I don't think Georgia completely shuts down Tennessee. I think the offense is just too good. However, I just don't think Tennessee is going to be able to stop Georgia. And I think if Georgia gets ahead by two scores and they go back and forth, I think Georgia will just stay comfortably ahead by a touchdown or two for most of the game, sort of like what they did against Florida last week. Fast start, Georgia gets uh, Florida gets back into the game, and then Georgia pulls, decides to say, "Hey, let's let let's let's buckle the chin straps up," and they pull away from Florida again at the end. I think the Georgia defense is going to be able to make some plays. Alabama's defense was able to make some plays against Tennessee, and if Georgia's able to get, build themselves a two score cushion against Tennessee, I just don't know. Tennessee has the offense to get back into the game. I just don't know if they're going to have the defense to slow down the Bulldogs. So I think Georgia gets the cover and they win. And I think they kind of stay comfortably ahead by 10, 14 points for most of the game. But that's my call. Uh, but I'm certainly going with all my players in that matchup from a fantasy standpoint. And that's my call on the bigger game of the on the biggest game of the week is Georgia. Comfortable win in what could be a high scoring game in the SEC. But that's going to do it. We're at week 10. Many of you guys play in the last week of the regular season. If you are, good luck. I've got to update the 4-in-1 Super Fantasy League. That's the disadvantage of getting these shows out early is I don't get a chance to jump into everything at the beginning of the week. But my goal is to try to get this uploaded onto the website as early as Thursday morning to give you guys a couple of days to listen to that. When I talk to you guys, my guess is, hey, look, come on back. I know some of you guys may not. I mean, look, I know the history of the site. I know the history of traffic, uh, of web traffic. I know the history of, 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 of hits on the show. As you fade out of your college fantasy football season, as you get eliminated, the listens go down, the clicks go down on the website. But hang in there. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, we've got bowl season content. We're going to do bowl season projections. I'll make some suggestions for you guys that may want to run bowl leagues. We used to do them here at the CFF site. I don't know if I'll get back into doing them just because for me, it's too much admin work to do when I'm running leagues. And cause I like to try to get involved and be an active commissioner. And with all of the dropouts, um, I, I hate to have guys draft 30, 40 man rosters and all of a sudden lose 10 guys because of guys uh, basically opting out at the end of the year. So we'll figure some things out. I'm, I'm still trying to work on some things for the bowl season in regards to bowl leagues. 
I'll try to figure out how to do that. But I know a lot of you guys may do them. I'll give you some suggestions on how to run some on your own, perhaps maybe run some on fan tracks as well. So don't go anywhere. I always say this. The bowl season is a chance to create a second college fantasy football season. And I know some of you guys do that. So where you have a 13-week college fantasy football season, we then get another bowl season that runs another five or six weeks. And that's a chance to create another college fantasy football season. And in my experiences in the past, there's guys that love the college bowl season, college fantasy football bowl season more so than the college fantasy football season itself because it's a lot condensed into a few weeks and it's over the holidays and there's nothing better than some holidays, some vacation time, college football bowl season and college fantasy football all at the same time. So that I'll talk about in next week's show. I'll bring a little bit more content um, and context to suggestions for college fantasy football over the bowl season, but that's going to do it. Week 10 is here. Good luck to everyone fighting for a spot. Good luck to everyone fighting for top seeds in their in their leagues. We'll be talking week 11 next week, and there's a lot of you that are going to be starting your college fantasy football playoffs. So good luck to everybody this week. I'll talk to you next week. For the, for the CFF site, my name is Joe DeSalvo, the voice of the CFF site. Until then, guys. <laughs>